Welcome to Behind the Data, the podcast that takes you inside the world of market research and breaks down the topics we love to nerd out on. Today, I'm joined by our head of digital consumer research, Michelle Evans. Michelle oversees the firm's research on the digital consumer, providing actionable insights and in-depth analysis into how technological advances are reshaping the way customers browse, buy goods and services globally. You can catch her speaking at events and conferences all around the world, and you can even read her insights twice a month on Forbes.com. Michelle, that is quite a list. Welcome. (laughs) Thank you, Sarah. It's great to join you today. I'm going to add another title to that long list I just mentioned, Fortune Teller. Uh, Madame Michelle is here with the crystal ball, the Ouija board, the cards, and we're going to take a look into the future and talk about commerce in the year 2040, what consumer needs will look like, how we'll shop, how we'll experience live events, how we'll stay connected at home. I feel like a kid watching the Jetsons. I'm really excited (laughs) to talk about this. I wish I would address the part for the fortune telling aspect of it. (laughs) So tell me a little about all of this. Like, how did it come about? How do you look ahead into the future? Sure. So I manage our research here, as you said, uh, looking at tech and how it changes commerce. Uh, So this research we're calling Commerce 2040. So it's all about looking a bit further out at the drivers and trends that are going to reshape different places where consumers live, work, shop, and play. Uh, So we always think about it from a commerce angle, what kind of new commerce avenues might emerge, what kind of new business models might emerge, how are consumer actions going to change. So let's just jump right into it. What kinds of trends are going to drive all of these predicted changes? Yeah, so as we think about it, uh, we sort of think in a framework of five key drivers. So there's population change, environmental shifts, shifting economic power, technology, and changing consumer values. Now, across any of that, there's going to be key trends that that rise to the top. Something like experience more is a big one uh, when we think about how consumers are changing. So tell me about that. So experience more is somewhat like a twofold trend that we look at where it's about consumers wanting to do rather than acquire. So it's all about experiencing. And then any sort of experience that a consumer has with a company or brand, they tend to want a little bit more out of it. So can you give me an example of something today and how that might change in the future without giving away everything we're about to talk about? How the experience might be richer? Yeah. So as we think about the future, um, like a big trend in the in the retail sphere is the idea of all these stores are closing. We're buying more goods online. So what is going to be the future of the store? Um, so one of the aspects that we think is going to very much emerge by in, in the next 20 years is this idea of experiential retail. So it would be the idea of you can still go to a physical spot. And maybe it's something where you could experience taking the game-winning shot against um, an NBA player. Using, it's like Space Jam. Yeah, using you know holograms and you know augmented and virtual reality, all, all those kind of things coming together to create that real-life experience um, on the showroom floor. So this would never happen in my real life, but I could maybe go to like an outdoorsy or camping store try on a jacket and a backpack and have some kind of VR experience where I'm climbing Mount Kilimanjaro 
to see how the clothes would withstand the weather and the conditions? Yeah. So we definitely think in that environment, there's going to be testing areas. So whether it's about the weather itself or maybe the terrain, um, but it's all about being able to wear those clothes in the environment in which you're going to. That's super cool. And if I ever hiked, I would find that incredibly (laughs) useful. Do you think it'll smell and taste as well because I would be really <laughs> curious to, to try some Italian pizza before traveling to eat. Yeah, in the, like a housewares yeah. store. We'll work on that. Um, what about the technology? I mean, how will technology evolve for that store and you know, being connected at home or or any of these spaces? Yeah, technology is certainly one of the bigger drivers we're looking at. Um, Obviously, it's kind of accelerated the rate of change over the last 10, um, 20 years, and will only do so in the future. So, Definitely AI, IoT, different types of reality. Stop you real quick. Yeah, uh, I feel defining. like my mom uh, will appreciate <laughs> some definitions. I, I feel sure. like I pick on her a lot, but I know yeah. she's listening. So yeah. let's define these for Denise. Yeah. So artificial intelligence um, kind of captures some different ideas. So one of them is the idea about like cluster analysis. So taking a lot of data, making sense of it. So that's going to play a big role in personalization. You have uh, machine learning. That's another aspect of AI where it's all about teaching machines to do things, uh, things that can be automated, repetitive tasks. Okay. Uh, Internet of Things is all about the idea of anything and everything being connected. Uh, So a classic example that takes us beyond just the smartphone in your hand might be something like a Fitbit that you would wear that would constantly monitor what you're doing. And then, you know, other technologies, uh, I mentioned the alternative reality. So that's going to be VR, like virtual reality, augmented reality, mixed reality even. Um, So virtual reality is all about uh, right now you would wear a headset and it puts you into a different world, whereas augmented reality, we're seeing that come into a lot of smartphones today. And that's all about the ability to take something and layer it over your real world environment. So a classic use case in commerce might be you're wanting to buy a new couch, but you need to understand how it fits into your living room. That would have been so useful when I moved last weekend. (laughs) (laughs) But with augmented reality, we would never get that classic Friends episode of Ross yelling, pivot! (laughs) Um, Okay, so technology is driving all of this. Where is it driving? You and I just talked about stores and me never hiking. But aside from shops and storefronts, where are we going to see all of these changes in the future? Yeah. So more broadly, our project is looking at kind of how the consumer, how this technology is going to change, how they live, work, shop, and play. Um, So we're dividing it into different environments. Uh, So it would be the home, Mm -hmm. the retail store, entertainment venue, a uh, restaurant outlet. I'm very interested in Even yeah. a transportation module. And we're calling it a transportation module because we think it's going to move away from maybe an automobile. And then Jetsons the, 2.0. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't far off And then that the last is that consumer on the go. When you okay. think about how connected consumers are, it kind of creates an environment around themselves as they're walking down the street or commuting to work or what have you. I am so intrigued by everything you just said, but I, I want to start with entertainment. Um, Beyonce will obviously be around forever and mm-hmm. be loved. So what does a Beyonce concert look like in the future? Walk me through. Am I walking through the door of a stadium? Am I 
watching in goggles? Like, what does that look yeah. like? So uh, I, I think a big tug and pull right now for those in the entertainment industry is that technology is taking off to such a degree that you could really get the full experience of, let's say, a concert or a sports game at home. Um, so that's what live entertainment operators are kind of battling against is how do we deliver something extra. Mm -hmm. So when we think about a physical venue in the future, we think that uh, we're going to see that venue kind of be more multi-purpose. So in the case of Wrigley Field and in Chicago, it's not just for Cubs games anymore. Uh, you know, you see a lot of concerts being held there as well. And then we think there's going to be a lot of free-to-access areas. So fans that don't have tickets to the game can still come and experience um, the overall atmosphere around um, certain event. During an event or like I during think the week when nothing is happening? We think, you know, it would be around the event day. So okay. if a sporting event like a baseball game lasts three hours, it might be a nine-hour affair oh. where can, where fans can come and go. Um, so as a result, there's probably going to be more food service or more retail outlets surrounding this venue in order to capture those sales. But then when we think about Entering the venue. Um, so anyone that is more like a season ticket holder, we think they could register to have biometric entry to make that easier. We think that, um, you know, in the future, we could see uh, voice like a like a voice platform almost huh. being embedded through an embedded, like, let's say an earplug, uh, where your Alexa or your Google Home type <laughs> platform <laughs> can talk to you uh, and alert you and direct you to your seat. Uh, we think there's going to be capabilities where it could even tell you, take this route or take that route because it will be 10 minutes faster. That's awesome. Kind of tell you bottlenecks, that type of thing. Um, obviously, there's going to be some different um, elements when it comes to ordering food at the venue. So being able to deliver to your seat, maybe uh, pick up and go so you could order it on your way and there's a designated pickup spot uh, and that then also so yeah absolutely I stood in line at Wrigley Field yesterday so <laughs> I can I can understand that and then um, lastly sit down restaurant options as well what about how we're going to pay for all of this you know is it going to be accounts that are preloaded like I know Amazon is starting to open stores where you know you log in with your account and mm -hmm. there's no cash interaction or transaction? Is that something that's going to happen in these entertainment spaces as well? Yeah. So definitely we think that mobile payments will be the payment method of yesterday when we when we look at 2040. Which that, is crazy because they're still kind of still kind of coming about right now. In the U.S., yeah. Uh, but we will see certainly maybe a biometric capability um, you know, or maybe it's a wearable or injectable that you're um, actually scanning with the pay. We think it's going to be all about the idea, too, of your saying like preloaded abilities, digital wallets. Um, mm -hmm. So where can you preload this information that they need in order to just instantly pay? I feel like that could get really dangerous after enough beers at a Cubs game. I might <laughs> not want something to be so Tap easily go, available. Right? Yes. <laughs> um, this is more of a personal question and less about trends, but like, I don't know, some of this sounds really cool and interesting to me. But, you know, when I think about that real life experience versus something, you know, augmented or virtual, I feel like, you know, you might be missing out, you know, what have some of your personal maybe experiences or any anecdotes in your life sort of come to mind as you're thinking about how everything's going to change? Like Wrigley is so historic. Mm -hmm. Are we going to have to completely overhaul the venue and maybe take away some of the history that's there? Yeah. As we've been working on this project, I think something that has stuck out to me 
is that we're going to be creating more kind of digitally manufactured experiences. So as a result, we think authenticity is going to play an even bigger role for consumers. Uh, that's certainly a desire among consumers today. But but what is what does that mean in the future? Um, so in the entertainment venue, as we think about it, it could be more localized experiences. So oh. maybe it's uh, a localized food service option that you can get when you travel to Chicago versus LA versus Denver, that type of thing. So gotcha. I think it will be um, about creating an experience that's local to Chicago versus a London versus a Tokyo, something that doesn't feel the same. That's kind of fun. I feel like a lot of stadiums, as they're getting revamped, are starting to do that. They have mm-hmm. like local beers that they're serving, mm-hmm. local vendors. So yeah, that's a really interesting way to think of expanding that. So what about the home? I mean, I guess first things first, how are we even defining home? I think right now we think a lot about standalone houses, um, couples, if not families. How are we defining a household in the future? Yeah, so I think there's definitely been a rise in the idea of singles, for sure. Um, So the home that we have mapped out in this world more could encompass any and all of the above, I suppose, whether you're single, couple, family, what have you. I think some aspects that are probably going to change when we think about the home of the future versus today is there might be more non-traditional traffic. Uh, so that could be delivery personnel, perhaps um, dropping off things. We also think that there's going to be scenarios where robots are all involved in that as well. <laughs> and thing. then the other aspect is uh, when it comes to maybe renting out part of your property. Um, So maybe it's running out a room or a portion of your property um, for either folks to stay overnight or maybe even, you know, as part of the gig economy, kind of a co-working space. So we think as a result, there's probably going to be kind of different levels of security that will have to be put in place as well. And it's interesting that you mentioned that because I feel like Alexa or Siri, they feel like members of our family mm-hmm. right now as we start to see some smart appliances and, and in-home connectivity. I'd imagine we're going to like kick that up a notch. You know, if mm-hmm. you said mobile payments are going to be a relic of the past, I'm sure Alexa is going to seem like a dinosaur compared to whatever we have in a few years. What what will tech look like and what will a typical day look like with all of that technology in the home? Yeah, I would say kind of a couple key layers that are going to come into the home. I think voice platforms will only increase and we'll see voice kind of all around the consumer as they navigate through these worlds. So, you know, as we thought about it, you could certainly be ordering maybe ingredients for dinner that night from your couch and have that delivered within an hour. That's the dream. (laughs) Something like that. Uh, So certainly a lot of voice or things that are voice powered. But then the other aspect that we see is maybe more interactive surfaces, especially perhaps in the kitchen or in the bedroom. And we see that tying into more personalized services. So if we think about the kitchen atmosphere, that it could monitor your water consumption, your energy levels, um, and even tie into you personally, where we think the nutritional tracking systems of today could tie into to those systems. So as you're pulling an item off of out of the refrigerator, you know, it could essentially hit you over the wrist and make sure that you don't oh my God. do that. It's Just, probably what I need now. Yeah. Like, did you need a fourth cookie, Sarah? Yeah. Like, you've had enough sugar for the day. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And we also think those interfaces are going to come into the bedroom as well. So imagine trying on an outfit. 
Uh, we think this, the the mirror itself will be interactive where you could see, you know, the clothes that are within your closet and then also connect outside. So we're actually presenting a view of the world where we think uh, the consumer could invite holographic brand representatives into their home. Wow. And maybe have them finish out the look. So I thought you know, a Tupac hologram was cool, <laughs> but that's that's even cooler. So think brand A could say, you know what, a belt would, would finish this outfit perfect. And and you know, anytime you're trying on clothes, all you want is your closest girlfriend, you know, like three feet away from you to yeah, tell you what it looks like. Yeah, either that or Jonathan Van Ness from Queer Eye. <laughs> yeah, that's a possibility too. Uh, so there's definitely going to be uh, sharing options, maybe through social kind of community groups, and then also that's the so ability cool. to to talk to friends and and connect that way. Well, it's interesting you say social. Sometimes I wonder, maybe you don't want your best friend. You want a stranger mm-hmm. who will be a completely neutral third-party opinion, and you can kind of pose it to the group and be like, is this exactly. the outfit I'm wearing? You know, objective third-party person. You, you might get all the opinions you want and more. Yeah. <laughs> Trolling just went to a whole new level. So we talked a little bit about stores and experiences, but yeah, I'm really curious about shopping in the future. What does that look like? You mentioned robots might bring us things. We can order from our couch, mm-hmm. but let's like tie it all back together and, and talk a little more about stores. Yeah. So we think there's definitely going to be the aspect where you buy things online. But when we think about a, a physical space, uh, we think there's kind of going to be two major branches to this where there's still going to be those impulse purchases you want to make. And then also um, convenience goods that you buy on a regular basis. So the things like the detergent that you buy regularly uh-huh. could likely be um, set up as a subscription and delivered to you automatically. But those other things, we think um, a convenience store will still exist to serve those. And then those kind of products that require more consideration. So think about clothes or electronics. Uh, we think that's where the experiential centers will come into play and, okay. and they'll build around that kind of product category. That's that's a lot of change that we've just talked about, whether it's, you know, buying food on the go or um, ordering things online or injectable wearable mm-hmm. payments at the stadium. What kind of business opportunities does this bring about? I mean, I'd imagine everyone's going to overhaul their business and potentially make a killing if you get in early enough. Yeah. So I think in terms of of business opportunities, there's certainly going to be more avenues for commerce. So when we think about the experiential retail that I just talked about, we think that there could be almost... Um, it could almost create an opportunity for brands or retailers, whoever creates that experience, to charge consumers for entry, which is an entirely As new, they do. new revenue stream. And then we also think there's going to be new business models. So we haven't talked much about this, but we think there could be a robot in the homes of the future where consumers may buy outright or lease, rent the robot. Um, We see there being kind of like an interface on the robot uh, where you could um, interact maybe with, uh, with brands that could have messaging on it. It's also maybe how you do some of the controls. And we think there could be almost packages of services that the family buys. So as a result, there's there's a lot of different kind of business models and new like revenue Like in terms streams. of what the robot does, like cleaning. Exactly. Uh, different packages. Rosie from the Jetsons. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, that was yeah. partly in jest and apparently pretty accurate yeah. when I made the joke. So definitely more service-oriented, more experiential, um, and certainly more personalized. Um, I mean, that all sounds really 
cool, awesome, exciting, and innovative, and, you know, insert positive adjective here. Mm -hmm. But I feel like there's probably a lot of things that could slow down this progress or impede this grand vision Mm -hmm. that you've laid out for us. What are some of those hurdles? Yeah, we we certainly are, are very forthcoming to say that this is the utopian vision. Right. Uh, and when we ground ourselves and think about what might stop this, uh, infrastructure is going to be a key one. When we think about the changes of the last 20 years, a lot of them were not very much driven by infrastructure. It was about technology, maybe cre- or connecting new people or companies building platforms that allowed that to happen. Yeah, I mean, are are we going to be ready for all this technology? Are we even equipped? The whole world doesn't even have access to to broadband internet right now. You know, Correct. could we do something like this today if we tried? And, and that's something else we talked about as well in the report um, that that will come out alongside this is that there will be different paces of adoption. It will it will vary by you know markets and by industries and whatnot. Um, it obviously also requires some bit of collaboration across companies. So. Where are we going to see that? Um, so this is probably going to be those type of countries that tend to be on the forefront. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a lot of the technology is available. It's just a matter of how we weave it together. Um, and, and to go back to infrastructure, I think a lot of what we laid out requires some fundamental infrastructure changes. Sure. So anything like that is, is going to certainly take time. And then what about, you know, with all of this technology, I think of the latest software updates Mm -hmm. or a new model coming out. How is that going to impact? I mean, I'd imagine it's not going to come cheap to Mm -hmm. equip your home and make it smart. Is it going to be automatic? Are we going to have to keep paying every year to stay up to date? So when you think about the home, I think the big thing, you know, when we talk about consumer appliances is that consumer appliances of yesterday were, were, were built for durability. Mm-hmm. Whereas now um, there's, there's a fundamental shift where you have to think about it from a tech perspective. So I think it's kind of all going to be about the ability to, to uh, usher in upgrades or to change out interfaces as new, um, you know, additions become available. And then I guess the other big thing that comes to mind is, you know, GDPR, the privacy Mm -hmm. legislation in the EU passed and countries like Canada, Australia, Germany have kind of always had pretty strict laws protecting Mm -hmm. individuals and their privacy. I'd imagine the advantage to all of this technology, you mentioned, you know, personalization, but how are we going to collect all this data and still comply with all of these laws? Exactly. So I think to create these worlds, it's all about having more data. I I think we're able to collect it because of the Internet of Things. More things are being tracked. Um, But there's been some fundamental shifts around data. GDPR is a great example of um, consumers having more power now. And and in general, with that regulation, it's about consumers being able to opt out at any point in the relationship. So there's been kind of a pendulum swing. and, And I think there's also things going on on when you think about a Facebook and the scandals that they had about how data was being used, Uh consumers to some degree are pushing back. Uh, So I think the pendulum is swinging to the point where uh, consumers will be in power of their data. I think, um, you know, when we th- when we look out 20 years, that there could very well be sort of another layer, kind of a data gathering partner or a service provider that works with consumers on one information they want to release and then sells that on to brands or whoever mm-hmm. is creating those experiences. Well, I'd imagine, too, if the need is great enough and people want to opt in and have mm-hmm. all of these things, you know, mm-hmm. they're just going to... 
have to sort of sign their privacy yeah. away if you want all the cool, shiny new stuff. And it, it certainly depends by market, but there's a lot of um, a lot of consumers where if you're very clear with what they'll get in return, mm -hmm. then they're willing to give it up. Um, so I think we'll just kind of better define that in time. That's probably not a bad thing. I'm I'm really just trying to wrap my head around all of this. I keep making Jetsons jokes, but in reality, this is all just super fascinating and really just progressive and forward thinking. And I guess my big question is, is it hard for you to sort of predict and analyze data and things that haven't happened yet? You know, what's been the most challenging aspect of, of this whole endeavor for you? I think wrapping your head around it is a key oh, phrase. Oh, good. So it's not just me. <laughs> no, yeah. no. And so obviously looking in the future 20 years down the road, um, also look, thinking about the breadth of it, um, looking across all these different environments, thinking about the number of different trends and drivers tugging and pulling at different things. Uh, it, it was certainly a, a challenging project. And, and it was something where, um, you know, I was able to tap into a lot of different minds at Euromonitor in our research area um, to get that expertise and, and to think through things and to get feedback on um, how we were defining these worlds. Uh, so, you know, at the end of the day, I think the, the most challenging part is really um, deciphering and, and, and making it digestible for our audience because sure. this is something that could have been the length of a Leo Tolstoy novel for that matter <laughs> if we kept pushing it. It's true. So it, it might be related to this project. Mm -hmm. It might be related mm -hmm. to your, your incredibly rich career in the research space. But I like to ask everyone – what is the weirdest thing that you've ever researched? That's an interesting question. And I think um, with the space that I'm in where we look at how technology changes commerce, there's always weird things that, that cross, my, <laughs> cross my desk. Uh, so I, I remember... Like, for example, there's a company that put made the beer label recognize or leverage facial recognition technology so that it could actually kind of communicate with the consumer, just weird things like that. Or L'Oreal had a connected hairbrush where it measures the strokes and outside factors like humidity to recommend the consumer products. That's actually but really useful. <laughs> one of my favorites that I came across while... Um, looking at the future of these worlds and think about the future home, for example, is um, a smart toilet. Oh. <laughs> so it did not make it into the report. But, oh, uh, bummer. So while I was researching this, there was a company, uh, Kohler, who introduced the smart toilet at CES. It was Alexa, or it is Alexa powered. Um, so you can raise your seat, lower oh, it, man. and you can turn on music because the toilet is equipped with speakers. Wow. And then going a step further, there's also companies that have um, patents to be able to uh, analyze your weight. So think about how that ties into these could tie into these future nutritional Jeez. systems to tell you you need more protein or you're dehydrated or what have you. That's nuts. Uh, so I went down that that thread for a bit, but but ultimately it didn't make the cut in the report. <laughs> <laughs> but now you can't get it out of your head. And I exactly, <laughs> exactly. I don't know. I I've been to Tokyo and I've seen like a lot of buttons mm -hmm. in, in the toilet and bathroom stall and I was scared to push half of them. But I feel like this <laughs> takes it to a whole new level. I thought I'd seen it all, but you, you've stumped me today. <laughs> so kudos on that. Uh, Michelle, thank you so much for joining us. This has just been really interesting. You know, Jetson's jokes aside, this is no easy feat. And I'm just really, really 
interested and curious to see, you know, what what comes to fruition and maybe how accurate some of these predictions are. And I'm sure 20 years from now, when we're living our best and connected lives, we'll think back to this moment. When you yeah. us so. Please don't call me. Yeah. <laughs> right? You were wrong on this. Yeah. But, no, we promise not. Okay. We'll just think of you positively. Excellent. And well, thank you for having me today. <laughs> thank you for tuning into this episode of Behind the Data. We hope you're as curious as we are and will continue to listen as we dissect data, research, and everything in between. This is Michelle again. If you enjoyed this conversation, I invite you to read our full report called Commerce 2040, Revolutionary Tech Will Boost Consumer Engagement. You'll find that on our blog at blog.euromonitor.com.